Welcome to Running Out of Space, a podcast about collectors, their collections, and how they make room for it all in their lives. My name is Adam Grabarnik, and I've been a collector since I was a child. It began with stickers, which led to comics, which led to toys, sneakers, posters, pins, wine, and on and on and on. Taking a wide-angle view of my obsession for ownership, I've come to see how my collections have become intertwined with my personality and sense of identity. Speaking with other collectors on the internet and in real life, I've come to see that I'm not alone. The Running Out of Space podcast is a celebration of the spirit that unites all collectors. Because it doesn't matter if you collect paintings, watches, stamps, cars, guitars, or Barbie dolls, there is a common component within the collector themselves that transcends the object collected. Though the trophies may be different, the hunters are more similar than they know. My guest today is Tommy Gelinas, founder of Valley Relics Museum, a cultural preservation project that collects vintage signs and artifacts from California's San Fernando Valley. I've been a Valley resident for over 20 years. It was my location of choice upon moving to Los Angeles from the East Coast. What may have begun as an exercise in kitsch with a heavy dose of Jeff Spicoli worship has developed into a beloved lifestyle for me. Long after the allure wore off of knowing where the truck versus motorcycle chase was shot in Terminator 2, I remained charmed by this area. Sure, there must be some longing for the idyllic family neighborhood stability that I never had as a kid, but come on, it's still Los Angeles we're talking about. It's far from anything stable. Really, there's just something so funky and bizarre, sunny and shady about the 818 suburban sprawl. I really connect with the culture that the valley has spawned. Thing is, I can't quite put my finger on what exactly that culture is. Something way beyond the strip mall and porno cliches. Not that those are bad in my book, but maybe its inability to be defined is what makes the valley so rad to me. But one walk through Tommy's collection at the Relics Museum will way better articulate why this area vibes so hard. Tommy really has a way of breaking down the valley's history like it's a real-life version of the movie Chinatown, which it actually is. The only thing I forgot to confirm with him during our talk was if Tongva Hut on Victory and Coldwater Boulevard is indeed the oldest tiki bar in L.A. To see selects of my guests' collections, follow the show's Instagram at Running Out of Space Podcast. Now, welcome to the show, Tommy Gelinas. What's the house style of the valley? Um, you know, the it's interesting because the valley was really. Uh, you know, it was home to the Chumash Indians and the Tongva Indians. Um, there was, you know, a few watering holes, a lot of oak trees uh, near the base of the mountains and throughout the valley. And once the, you know, the ranches were sold and, um, and it started to get subdivided, it was starting to get subdivided into little um, chicken farms, basically, or, you know, half acre, an acre. Um, and, I, I that's what got me interested is because when I was a kid, 
I would see these really old, like two story, like ranch homes and they look slightly decrepit or you would see some old mid-century building or buildings that might be from like the twenties and thirties. Um, and it just started disappearing. Um, but if you were to like, um, like in New York, I've noticed when I was out there about 27 years ago, um, maybe even a little bit longer than that, you know, they weren't really tearing much down. You know, a lot of the buildings, they'll build the railway up around it, over it, on the side of it. Um, but the valley, you know, had a lot of architecture, very similar to old Hollywood, um, Wilshire area district, um, and even some parts of downtown LA. And, you know, Ventura Boulevard, you know, has been there forever. Once they built the um, 101 freeway through there. Uh, but to get to your question, it, it's so hard to describe what the valley used to look like coming basically from farmland. Even when I was a little kid, there was still a lot of farms left, a lot of dairies. Um, and a lot of the homes were craftsman homes and mid-century homes, the Eichler homes. Um, and it was this suburbia that was really safe and really clean. Um, you know, if I told my parents when I was like in the fourth grade, fifth grade, whatever, hey, I'm going to go during the summer, I'm going to go hang out. We're going to probably ride our bikes from the middle of the valley all the way to Woodland Hills um, to like, uh, you know, the Kennedy uh, surf shop um, or whatever. We had our destinations and the only requirement was be home by dark or be home for dinner. And, you know, we cruised the valley on our BMX bikes or our Schwinn Stingrays, no shirt, no shoes, take a couple of drinks out of the hose and then just drive around all day. And there was that sense of freedom. And as I started to get a little bit older, you had all these BMX tracks all over the valley. You could still ride your motorcycle in a lot of the fields um, that weren't developed yet. And we had indoor malls, one of the first you know, states to have fully air conditioned indoor malls. We had one of the very first like fully cement skateboard uh, park uh, with a large ramp and then um, a lot of music venues. And, you know, when we would ride around, you know, you would always hear people on the other side of the hill really talk a lot of crap about the valley. And, you know, us valley kids, we didn't really care. There was so much to do from cruising Van Nuys Boulevard uh, going to San Fernando Raceway, going to one of these malls. The other side of the hill, even the beach area, you know, they had the ocean. Um, we had the swimming pools. We would drain the pools and we would ride our bikes and our skateboard in the pools. We were, we were technically the sidewalk surfers. But, you know, you had um, uh, Mongoose, Redline, Champion, um, Centron, uh, Jag BMX, there was all these bicycle manufacturers in the valley, all the early tracks. Um, the the sport of BMX really exploded, and the valley's hugely uh, responsible for creating legends of BMX, of manufacturing the bikes, and then a lot of those tracks that were in the fields became pro tracks early on. We're talking like seventy three, seventy four. So anyone that ever raced BMX around the world would end up in the valley racing on one of those tracks um but yeah so there was just you know you had jbl uh, in the valley you had general motors you had lockheed you had um Sirwin vega 
uh, Morant's Super Scope. Um, movies like E.T. were filmed here. The, you know, it just goes on. Karate Kid. So us Valley kids had like a lot to do, a lot going on. It was really fun and really safe. And so we didn't really care what people said about the Valley. We, weren't, we just didn't care. And if we wanted to take the beach bus to Santa Monica, they had a few different like parks. You could get, you know, to your local park beach bus for like 50 cents would take you all the way to the Santa Monica pier uh, by 10 a.m. And then by 2.33, you would have to load back on the bus and be driven back to the Valley. And we love doing that, but trying to get someone from like West Hollywood or Hollywood or West LA, Beverly Hills into the Valley was like pulling teeth. They just didn't want to come over to the other side. But um, yeah, a lot of architecture, a lot of suburban homes, safe neighborhoods. Um, even Panorama City was like a miniature Beverly Hills back in the 50s um, because of General Motors being there, because of um, Lockheed being down the street. Um, a lot of homes were built for servicemen around that area. Um, General Motors provided a lot of jobs as Lockheed and Boeing. Um, but right at the corner of Roscoe and Van Nuys, you had a Bob's Big Boy. You had the Broadway department store. You had Montgomery Wards. Then you had a Robinson's May, an Orbox. And, you know, those were high-end high end department stores, standalone department stores. And uh, or you could go over the, to the Topanga Plaza that was built in the early 60s or Valley Plaza. Um, and then later on in the 70s, Northridge Mall. So, you know, growing up with um, people that raced cars and went to the, you know, the, the drag strip in San Fernando or cruised Van Nuys Boulevard, the celebrities that were around the valley, um, you know, uh, the movies that the, the, the celebrities that lived in the valley, the movies that were made in the valley, um, how the valley helped shape the nation. Um, you know, it's, it's an awesome story. And for there to be no museum or no representation, um, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things where I started looking early on, on the internet, probably about 22, 23 years ago. And if you search Marilyn Monroe, it will talk about her career, but it never really talked about, it does now, but it wouldn't talk about her going to Van Nuys High School, let alone Robert Redford going to Van Nuys High School or her working in the aerospace industry uh, in the North Hollywood area. So there's all, and you know, we won't even talk about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz being married in Canoga Park. So there's all this cool, you know, stuff, James Cagney's Ranch, the Warner Brothers, uh, Bob Hope being Crosby, uh, Barbara Sandwick, um, Laurel and Hardy, uh, Abbott and Costello. I mean, the list goes on. It was, the Valley was referred to as home of the stars. And um, so, you know, as I started to search for history uh, on the internet, uh, you couldn't find it. And that's what kind of started uh, me to go, where did all this stuff go? Why is it continuing to disappear? And is the Valley's not only been neglected where a lot of these big businesses left, uh, crime started to get bad, uh, certain neighborhoods started to get run down and, um, and, we have all this history and uh, a lot of history and no one's talking about it. No one's saving it. And, you know, it was, I didn't plan it. It just something that kind of happened. And every time I came across 
uh, some little article in a, in a newspaper from the 40s or some history book, it was like these huge rabbit holes of information. And, you know, I knew what to look for. And I and, and so, you know, I can talk to people that are in their like 60s or 70s and they would say, how do you know all this history? You weren't even around then. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of. I think you only asked one question and I gave you probably about 300 of them. No, I'm letting but, you run it. I, this is like such entertainment for me. I, I, I think I got fascinated with the Valley from at first Bugs Bunny cartoons talking about Burbank and definitely Karate Kid, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but even down to like Magnolia and even down to just like seeing, I mean, the Nicolas Cage movie, Valley Girl, but also just, there's a odd kind of mystique. I know like the, it gets a lot of guff because it's suburbia, but hearing that BMX really came to fruition down there makes total sense because you have these neighborhood kids that felt safe enough to go and ride all day. They had the resources and they had the neighborhoods. They, they had the, the, the streets to be able to bike ride down. I mean, that's a privilege in and of itself in a big city. I particularly, I grew up in Miami and I lived in New York. I've lived in cities my whole life. So by the time that I got here, it was a no brainer. I didn't want to live in the action. I wanted to live in that sprawl. There was something that's kind of very, it's, 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 it is someplace where you can have the space to express yourself. And I know that it, people don't think that immediately, but you can really just kind of get lost out here. And, and in a way, really dial in on what you're into and what you like without all the noise of a big city, which is right. what I really like. Now, it's interesting to hear that you had General Motors and Lockheed and all of these big businesses. But when I wa was walking around Valley Relics, you don't have any of that stuff. You have almost independent businesses, old signages from these independent businesses. But even you have down to like, the stationery that they use, the menus of these offshoot restaurants, buttons, yeah. ashtrays, matches. You have all this ephemera and all of the, the, the fonts and the logos, they, are, they all seem so handmade with a certain level of artistry to them. Yes. So where does that come from? Um, you know, like it's like with the Googie style, um, which is a style of architecture. Um, it was very similar to something like you would see in the Jetsons. Mm -hmm. and, and the name was really kind of a put down uh, that a lot of the architectures didn't like it. Um, and, you know, that, that which has become extremely popular and highly collectible if you find anything that might be memorabilia, an old clock, um, furniture mid-century you know when you look at mid-century and and googie style architecture and a lot of that started in the valley like with like ships restaurants and um you know tiny nailers there was just so much of of that um but you're right it was it, it was very creative it was simple but very very creative you know it's, it's interesting i took my i have uh six kids and i have you know uh, a girl her name's viola she's nine years old and they love the museum they grew up you know being a part of that we were driving out in the valley and around and she says hey dad um 
you know, she's starting to like take notice and says, why are all the signs around the valley so ugly? Right. And I, you know, and I looked at her and I go, you know, unfortunately it's true. She was like, all the signs in the museum are really cool. They got neon and light bulbs and things like that. Um, and yeah, it was very, very unique. I think that, you know, early on uh, in the valley, you know, it suffered a couple of droughts, uh, you know, throughout its it, the history to present. But there was like when, um, you know, Mr. Van Eyes and Mr. Lankersham, you know, were taking their their ranch property and, you know, they tried raising chickens, you know, poultry. Um, it ended up not working out. They really found that um, in the valley growing wheat and one of the first people to import uh, or export wheat uh, to Europe. And when you go up the 405 heading towards Santa Monica, what we call the Golden S, that was a, a carve away of uh, Isaac Newton Van Nuys and Isaac Lankersham um, with their horse and wagons transporting a wheat from the middle of North Hollywood, originally Toluca, uh, the town of Toluca, then the town of Lankersham in the 1924, it became uh, North Hollywood, but they would take that wheat, you know, and they would sack it up. And that was their path to the Santa Monica Pier to wow. export the wheat um, at the top of the hill. When you get to the top of the 405 before you go over heading towards the Getty Center, uh -huh. that's also supposedly uh, where the Spaniards discovered the valley, um, which is interesting because even though, you know, uh, the Native Americans were already here, they just didn't claim anything. Right. Um, so, you know, there's there's that really, really cool history. And, um, you know, a lot of it just, you know, let me back up. When Mr. Lankersham and Mr. Whitsitt and a lot of these guys with money and businesses bought up a lot of this property, you know, it went from um, raising chickens and livestock to growing fruit and wheat and things of that nature, really primed for growing. And then um, they would hit a drought and that would be an issue because at that time they, we didn't have water you know, uh, coming into the valley like that. So, um, but they, they started to, you know, really sell smaller parcels of the valley, really like subdivide, subdivide, subdivide. And even to this day, you know, it, it went from, you know, a 40 acre ranch, a hundred acre ranch, a 3000 uh, acre ranch, and it got smaller and smaller and smaller, you know, and, it continues to happen where there's like, you can't really build much in the valley. You actually have to tear something down, which they've continued to do. Um, so it's a really like, um, I love the Valley and, and what I love more is what I grew up with. And what happens is when we talk about people from another country, um, or we talk about, um, you know, you can pick any nationality and go, man, you know, that they had a lot of uh, culture. They, you know, they're, where they're from, there's a lot of culture. And, you know, California history is extremely young. And, um, you know, we do have culture. And the culture is the pop culture that we just talked about. Yes. And people forget that that's how we identify. And 
you know, there's a lot of people go, yeah, but you know, if someone's from Germany and it goes so far back with the castles and the history and this and that and the other, um, uh, the Ming dynasty. And, and it, I mean, you take all this examples, you're like, yeah, that's culture. And I forgot that I have culture and that was growing <laughs> up around hot rods, growing yes. up around BMX bikes, uh, you know, hiking around Chatsworth park, um, you know, a cruising Van Nuys Boulevard with my, that's how I identify and cultural heritage is so important and we've been stripped of it. And so, you know, I think I was talking with the uh, daily news, uh, one of the writers that did a story and he says that, you know, uh, back in the day, the, the, they would be able to gauge what stories would always do well on the front cover or as a main story, you know, on the first, second page. And it always is remembering when, you know, remember when he says, those always sell the most amount because, uh, you know, um, people are thinking of a simpler time. There wasn't as much crime. You could buy a home, you could raise a family. Uh, There was uh, a lot of community togetherness. Um, You could just show up at someone's house, knock on the door and ask, hey, can Billy come out and play? Or, hey, why don't you guys come over? We're barbecuing, you know, and it, it was just a different time. And I, I feel that like, you know, me growing up and trying to find old photos 22, 23 years ago, nobody was doing it. There just wasn't anything out there. There was no, the Huntington not. Library was not trying to promote any old photos. No. CSUN has a library now, a digital online archive that is fairly new. But when I started this there, you know, you didn't have Facebook. You didn't have MySpace at the time that I started. There was live journal uh-huh. and um, I would post up on live journal and kids would say there was a uh, uh, they made cars in Van Nuys right where my school is, you know, and yeah. um, and then they would tell their parents next thing. You know, they're like, hey, my dad said his dad worked at General Motors. He's got some old buttons and photos if you want them. And, you know, to have, you know, the Valley is, was home to the Camaro. That's where the very first Camaro rolled off the assembly line. Makes perfect sense. Right. And that was home of the Camaro and, you know, and then Lockheed producing some of the best warplanes that defended the United States against the enemy, let alone some of the first, you know, uh, taxi buses, you know, uh, airplanes that actually brought people from, you know, here to New York uh, in the same day. So we're producing, you know, warplanes, airplanes, uh, cars, um, all kinds of satellite engines, rocket engines, filming a lot of movies here. We're Hollywood number two, a lot of, you know, I'm just reiterating, you know, because I have a lot of pride. Um, But yeah, it was a shame that as I tried to seek out knowledge and history the few little history books were recycled history you know Mm -hmm. Mulholland brought water to the valley uh to LA um you know the Tongva Indians you know were here first but the Spaniards so you start to look at some of that stuff and then North Hollywood was known for growing you know almonds and and fruit and this and that so you got like three or four books you know that that are pretty popular that most of them out of print 
Um, now I think there's a total of about six or seven that are worth reading, but the first four or five of them, they just change the color, like an anniversary edition of the same history book. Right. And um, it's just like recycled. So a lot of the backstories uh, of the Valley and what I grew up and what I heard, um, the more I searched, you know, I would just come up against like, there's nothing there. So when I started, uh, I got onto MySpace. We did a Valley Relics online museum and vault. And I started posting stuff. And then when Facebook, you know, first came out, it was boring because you couldn't change the headers. You right. couldn't put any songs on there. And it was really for college students. A friend yeah. of mine took me onto it. It was really boring, but I signed up for it. So by 2009, you know, I was one of the first ones on there promoting Valley stuff. And uh, now, you know, and I got to tell you, Curb L.A., did an article and the writer asked, hey, can I ask you some questions? Kind of like what we're doing. And the story turned in. Yes, that's right. Guess what? We're going to talk about a place. It might be, uh, you know, so, uh, it might be synonymous with a putrid, toxic wasteland called the Valley. And, you know, and it was always such a put down um, with any of those blogs and anyone that was writing on the other side of the hill and a lot of those people that were doing the writing weren't from here right and um there and they would just hear that everyone makes fun of the valley so they would continue that i did more articles for you know la la magazine curbed la either.com and all these things now they write good stuff they realized that for all these years they lost out on millions of readers uh because of their arrogance Mm -hmm. Now they, you know, so many celebrities have lived here and a lot of them still live here and a lot of them continue to still live here. I mean, the Kardashians and, you know, from uh, Jenny Lewis uh, to the Kardashians to Travis Barker. Um, I mean, a lot of them still, still, um, you know, live here, but yeah. You I know, see Paul Stanley at my Ralph's all the time. Right. You know, and it's just, that's just normal for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's a shame that there's been no one preserving the architecture. There's been yes. no one documenting and keeping this stuff. And, you know, I'm one guy, we have a board, we have a lot of volunteers, but to build a museum with very little money and, um, and, and we're so grateful for all, I mean, the museum is really made up of rescued items and donations. And really today how we, pay our bills is through uh events we mm -hmm. have a beautiful event space now did you go to the museum that's at the van nuys airport yes yeah so that the big neon room cars come out and we've married you know during the pandemic up to present we've probably done 50 bar mitzvahs bat mitzvahs and then we did um uh you know we've married about 10 people that's um, awesome. a lot of private parties a lot of photo shoots and that's I've seen really some record. I've seen some record covers with the bands inside there. Yes. Yep. And it's amazing. So that's how we keep the doors open. Um, you know, some people, every a lot of people, like even you, you're like, hey, I grew up on the East Coast. When I came here, I I I, I noticed that you have big signs, you know, bikes, and then ashtrays, menus, um, ledgers, um, and there's so much more. I mean, the stuff that you don't see. Like when you came there, even to this day, that's only 30% of our collection. We have, yeah, we have thousands and thousands of 
postcards, photos, rare documents, ledgers, diaries from uh, early pioneers that help bring the valley, you know, uh, you know, from farmland into major manufacturing and track homes. So it's it's been quite the journey. But every once in a while, you get someone that goes there and they don't understand that it's always a work in progress. You've got kind of this preservation side. You have this pop culture side is where you can remin- reminisce. And um, and then we have all these documents that need to be archived so we can eventually, you know, we've we've so far have scanned um, probably close to 3000 photos out of the 10,000 photos we have. Wow. Um, so I think we got about two or three hundred postcards on in our archive and, um, you know, a, a couple of documents. But it takes time. And, you know, when you're doing scanning and updating an archive, you need people that can dedicate their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's it's just an uh, it's always a work in progress and it needed to start somewhere. So I decided, you know, 20 years ago to, you know, go on the Internet and educate people and um, and then start with the social media stuff. And now, you know, we have a a brick and mortar museum. We became a nonprofit just about nine years ago. And then we opened our first location in Chatsworth. We outgrew that. It became so popular amongst the community from celebrities to just Valley residents that said, there's finally a place, you know, my parents died. The, a lot of my brothers and sisters didn't want any of this stuff. We hung on to it. And now that we want to downsize, we were worried about our grandkids throwing it away. So, you know, so it's just been every week I get emails and phone calls every day of really cool stuff that people want to date, uh, donate from their family business. Um, So it's been a great journey. So what was the first piece that kind of kicked it off where it propelled it from an online sort of preservation um, endeavor to full-fledged archiving and museum quality uh, exhibitionism? What was kind of the first piece that really kind of set it off for you? Well, you know, finding, I, you know, there was a lot of stuff I did know. And when I was reading this book that I found online, Leatherbound, published in Glendale, it was written and put together in 1933, published in Glendale, 1934. And I learned that, that the town of, Gerard eventually became the town of um, Woodland Hills and that the town of Toluca eventually became the town of Lancashire, then North Hollywood. And that Reseda was the town of Marion and the town of Northridge was the town of uh, North Los Angeles and then Zelza. And every time I would find these little nuggets of history, I would look online. A lot of uh, Abe's used books online and usedbooks.com. If you search it right, people put up old, uh, I found probably close to 30 over a five-year period, um, uh, school yearbooks, annuals from the early 1900s from San Fernando High, 1910, 1911, 15, 16, 17 from Van Nuys High School. And some of them had actual photos on the inside of their teachers and classmates photos that nobody has. And um, so I felt like that, that's, that's what my 
I needed. I needed to be educated on where I'm really from and, and what really happened here. And, but what started to really like with the big stuff, like with the signs and realizing like, you know, we need to save, you know, cherishing what we had and trying to preserve what's left, unfortunately. And I get a little bit of flack from people from time to time because they don't get it. Even when they don't get it and something happens in front of them, they're not putting it together that, you know, once a fence goes up around a building and it's uh, and it's scheduled for demo, it's too late. And usually that's when we step in. A lot of times what happens is people start to put stuff on Facebook by going, oh, look at this old architecture. Look at this old sign. And it's, you know, on the other side of the hill or it's in Monrovia or whatever, because anything from Southern California is really, you know, whatever happened to the valley, you know, happened first, but it happened simultaneously as well around Southern California. So pickers and collectors that resell will go and grab this stuff mm -hmm. um, when you're not looking in the middle of the night or they'll give the dude, you know, yeah. you want to donate it and you get down there and like, well, some guy came by and offered us $1,500 for the sign. So there's a lot of these, I, you know, God bless them, but these wannabe preservationists that don't have the funding, the equipment, the tools, the space, the warehouse space um, to really, you know, or even the lawyers or the knowledge to really preserve something. What they do is they go online and they cause problems. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff gone. I mean, for us to have Henry's taco sign, one of the very first, um, you know, uh, gringo taco stands in the Valley um, and then to have the Palomino Club sign where Elvis made his appearance and Johnny Cash, Linda Ronstadt got her start there, Dwight Yoakam. That's where Jerry Lee Lewis played. I mean, that is the country Western music hub of the world. A lot of bands got their start at that Palomino. And for us to have that sign and, uh, you know, uh, old Pioneer Chicken sign and, you know, just all the original Malibu Grand Prix car. Yeah. That's there, you know, there's just so much cool stuff. But a lot of these people nowadays, they, they jump into a conversation, they spill the beans and then they, they try to cause problems. You know, we don't want anything to disappear. We don't want signs to go away, you know, but a lot of times these developers are working with the owners by saying, Hey, we want this uh, permit to get approved. And we would prefer you not to share it, work up until the day of, uh -huh. keep the store open. And then if you can push, you know, then all of a sudden it's announced, hey, unfortunately, we're going to close down. It's going to be our last month. They already they were already knowing and and already like, you know, we've owned four and 20 pies. You know, uh, we bought it in the 70s. We've been running the last two locations in Van Nuys, our Sherman Oaks and Studio City. And they, they already planned on selling the building. They already yeah. planned. And, you know, for some of these people, you know, like uh, we just recently were gifted the um, old Trapper's Lodge Boot Hill collection that's at Pierce College. And it's early, early folk art. And some of the students felt like, you know, it was racist. It, it's very similar to Knott's Berry Farm stuff. Sure. Um, the folk art is really odd and very cool. There's a few things that I could see, 
But what people don't know is that old Trapper was a white guy and he had married uh, Comanche. She was 50% Comanche. And a lot of his uh, trapping experience hired by the, by the U.S. to, you know, a lot of these animals were destroying crops and our food supply. And they hired him, came out to California. He built a, um, a, a motel lodge. And used all of his because he was, you know, born in the 1800s, early 1900s. He's out there trapping. So by the time he's in his like 60s and 70s and 80s, you know, back in the 50s, he started sculpting out of cement um, these amazing statues. Pierce College started getting flack from some of the students and teachers by just saying, you know, we don't want the Native American Indian to look like a savage because, you know, a white guy and an Indian are sprawling. Um, I'll tell you what, if I was an Indian and some white guy was trying to get to my daughter and my wife or vice versa, it's going to be a problem. And or if it's just a cowboy and Indian story um, and they're fictitious characters. But Trapper made a lot of the statues in the liking of his wife, his sisters, his grandchildren and things of that nature. And he was a storyteller. So a lot of his stuff was just made up stuff that didn't represent anybody except, you know, growing up in the wild, wild West. And he yeah, lived it. Right. So we were gifted that huge donation. And then there's a group out there that does Hollywood tours. That's what they are. They're a touring group mm -hmm. and they take you around and they show you uh, this building used to be this and that building used to be this. And this is where so-and-so was born. And when COVID hit, their business went down the tube and they're operating at a three and a half star anyway. Um, and they didn't know, cause I had to keep it a secret that we were given this, you know, half a million dollar collection at Pierce college of this ghost town made out of uh, folk art um, called old trappers lodge boot Hill collection um, that it was given to us. They got rumor that, um, that that stuff might be leaving. So we're already in the process of taking the stuff out secretly, not, I don't want to say secretly, but not trying to have people cause problems. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, you know, this tour group that no longer has a touring business decided they were going to be preservationists uh -huh. that don't have the money or the ability or the lawyers or any funding um, that just makes stuff up and um, has caused, you know, uh, huge problems. And, you know, fortunately, they're causing problems for themselves. They're trying to cause problems for us, but we're so well liked uh, because of what we have done and our track record, you know, so it, it's, it's never really easy because this stuff takes time and money. And if you don't have a sharp eye and if you don't know what you're doing and you don't make this stuff happen quick, it disappears. Mm -hmm. and, and not just into private collections. I mean, to the scrapyard bulldozed yeah. over, you know, a wrecking ball. So, you know, um, I feel that, you know, the Valley Relics Museum is, first of all, we, we educate the community, we cherish what we had, and we're just preserving what's left. And, um, you know, there's some great, great people out there now, over the last couple of years, like LA Conservancy, you know, they're doing a good job. They're starting to focus a little bit more on the Valley but you kind of feel like they're picking and choosing what they want to save. Um, if it's a craftsman house, they're not really interested. If it's a googie or mid-century building, they're on it. 
to right. some degree and they're getting better at it. But yeah, so, you know, um, a lot of there's like what you've seen probably when we first opened in that location, um, we've added uh, an additional 30, 40% of new signs. Wow. So there's a lot of bowling signs now down there. There's mm-hmm. um, just an amazing amount of like my brother's barbecue that opened uh-huh. up in 59 in uh-huh. Woodland Hills. That's all up. There. I didn't know it closed. I didn't know brothers yeah. was gone. I yeah. saw the sign. And, I saw the sign on your on one of your sites and I didn't even realize that brothers had closed. Yeah, it's done. Wow. So there's so there's a lot of new stuff, especially, you know, uh, we got this, a sign from San Francisco. It's a company that is in the valley in the L.A. area and San Francisco. It started San Francisco, which is Mel's driving. Mm-hmm. And um, we got the sign from one of their San Francisco locations. And it's the same location where they filmed American Graffiti. Wow. So we put that up. We put the 4 and 20 sign up, uh, an A&W, uh, A&W root beer signs that came out of the valley. So there's Ruben's Red Hot. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Um, a lot more BMX items. So it's always evolving. Um, we're always adding new stuff. Um, you know, it's nice to be marrying young couples in the museum. That's sweet. They're getting, you know, they care enough and they appreciate it enough and they know it helps the museum. So, and even this, you know, I usually don't turn down a request. You know, I have four newer kids, a two-year-old, a six-year-old, uh, a nine-year-old and a 14-year-old and then two adult kids. Then I have the museum and then have my t-shirt printing shop, uh, which is a, a big operation. So I'm always really busy, but I was glad that I was able to hook up with you. No, thank you very much. And I have to comment that the merch at your museum is spot on. I love everything. Thank you. Yeah, we print that all here. People finally get it together. What's the sweet spot for you in terms of like signage or design that was in the Valley? Um, you know, what era. Yeah, the era, you know, uh, 50s and 60s, you know, a little bit of the 70s. But well, I take that back. Even the 40s, 40s, 50s and 60s. There's nothing like it. The way the neon looks, the sound it makes, the design um, in the 70s when they redesigned um, like the Orange Julius logo. Uh-huh. I mean, you know. So there's, there's a lot of stuff in the seventies, probably, you know, I take that back. So when it comes to signage, forties, fifties, sixties, as far as design, colors, fonts, definitely the seventies and eighties. Why? You know, it's like you said, you said it yourself, you know, it's very like creative. There's a lot of thought put into it. It's, it's groovy. It's bitching, you know, (laughs) there's the colors, the colors, the fonts, the characters, um, it's just amazing. There's nothing like it. And yeah. I've not seen anyone reproduce anything similar to that style since then. A lot of people have knocked it off. Yes. But going from like, let's say a business in the forties or fifties or sixties, and even those graphics, but once the seventies and eighties hit with the like, uh, four or five different colors, there's just nothing like it. It's just amazing. And, um, and I got to, I've been able to meet some of those artists. They come in and said, Oh, I designed that shirt for this band. Or uh, I met the guy that designed my brother's barbecue logo. And it's the same guy that designed the, um, the original orange Julius logo. It was the, it was the newer version. So orange Julius been around a really long time, Yeah, but right around, I want to say 68 or 69, maybe 70, he redesigned it 
to make the devil still pretty like really cool looking. Um, and I heard that they, that a football team, uh, some team went after them because they said that they, that, that the, like the red devils team went after them. Not that it looked like it, but they didn't want them using the devil as their logo because it was too similar to their team logo. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, man, it just, just, it, there's just something about it. If things are so safe now. It's like when you see back then, you look at the signage, like people were really going for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it's been interesting seeing how these signs are made or taking them apart and looking at the inside and, and you know, learning how to repair them, um, how to take them down. You know, our crew, we have one of the best crews. You know, there's, there's about 10 of us that ultimately do everything. And then there's a lot of other people that help out. But from, you know, I mean, the community, I like to call the Valley Relics Museum fans history watchdogs every other day. Hey, the sign's coming down. Hey, I heard they're tearing this down. Hey, I heard this is closing. Hey, Tommy, you need to check this out. Hey, Tommy, did you see this? So it's like, you know, now there's there's an entity that people can call like a hotline and and yeah. and like say, Tommy, you need to go. And they and I get back to everybody. You know, um, it might take me a day or two, but I try to get back to everyone and I always try to investigate. You know, there's some I can't save everything. Some people send a sign. That's probably from, you know, 2010. It's just plastic, you know, and you hardly ever hear it talked about. So I'm appreciative that people are understanding what we're doing, um, even though they, they're not really sure what, what's cool and what's not cool or what might have some historical significance. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's a lot of people that do, but just the fact that everybody's to willing to reach out, to let me know, to show that they care because I care. They, they're glad that the Valley finally has a museum that encompasses all of the Valley that has a preservation background. And yeah, so I, I feel, you know, blessed that there's so much support that people like you go, you know, I want to hear the story, you know, would you mind, you know, doing an interview i like all of it whether it's you know um a documentary um to you know an, uh, getting interviewed by local news or you know someone that's doing a podcast i think that any way to get the message out there and let people know what we're up to is really important so i really you know appreciate you for that oh i appreciate your time bravo to everything and um is is the museum open to the public again yeah, so the museum is now open uh, just every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. We do have an event space, so if people wanted to rent that out, uh, we have a lot more new games. Some of the best games from Street Fighter to Elvira Pinball to Miss Pac-Man. We have tons of games set to free play for all our guests. It's $15 to get in uh, per person. We're open on the weekends and you just got to Google Valley Relics Museum. And there's just tons of articles that come up. Our, you know, our museum homepage comes right up and uh, it will not disappoint. Fun for the whole family. Right on. I have a seven-year-old Valley girl right now. Nice. Who, uh, I'll bring by. She was actually there the, f- the first time I visited. I'm going to bring her back. because She loves video. Well, games. let me know and I'll put you on the guest list. Oh man. Thanks so much. Yeah. We'll take care of you. 